Namo Jasa Bhagavato Arahato Asama Sambuddhasa Namo Jasa Bhagavato Arahato Asama Sambuddhasa Namo Jasa Bhagavato Arahato Asama Sambuddhasa Namudang Dhammang Asanghang Namasami So the uh, Lunar New Year, the Chinese New Year, we've been here, we've been a little bit more busy than normal, and uh, so this is the Year of the Ox, I suppose, whatever that means, and um, it's, um, you can focus on whatever, um, an opportunity, like all uh, time, delineation, it's an opportunity to, uh, some people look forward to the future, a better year. Some people thought that maybe last year wasn't the best year, with the bushfires and the COVID and the lockdown and losing jobs and so So a bit of uncertainty. Um, but I think as I was reminding the um, some of the late person, lay people that came to visit, that uh, actually it is in times of difficulties, it is in times, in challenging times, that um, uh, when we're experiencing it, we might think it's uh, not so great. But usually when looking back, it is for the times where there's lots of opportunity for us to grow, because in those times, we have to learn to adapt to new situations. To, to see that you know, our old way of habits, our way of happiness, uh, our way of doing things may not be working. Sometimes you know, it's not working. So how do we adapt to a new situation? How do we lessen the suffering in our life? And it brings to the crux of the question of the human conditions of also practitioner. You know, one lady was telling me, yes, um, she's been a Buddhist kind of... Uh, most of her life, which is just, you know, the monks and the teaching always tell us, you know, people to, uh, um, to stay calm, to be calm. And it's, you know, they say, how important it is to be calm and to be happy. But nobody, it's not so clear in the books and the monks are not so explicit. And how, you don't tell me how I'm going to be calm, how to be calm. When I get angry, how do I get to be calm? And it's a good question, you know. We all want to be happy, we all want to be peaceful. But how to get there is the million dollar question, sort of. And uh, from a Buddhist perspective, from a practitioner, yeah, the wish to be peaceful, the wish to be happy is certainly a, uh, a worthy, a noble aspiration. But it's just the beginning. And going back to what the Buddha taught, you know, we want to be happy, we want to be peaceful. It's not enough to wish to want, because we all want that, all beings want that. But we have to establish the cause for happiness. We have established the cause for peace. 
And that doesn't come about wishing. Like I said, you want a healthy body. You know, it's nice. But sitting there watching TV, playing video games all day long, eating junk food, it's not going to get you there. You want a healthy body, you've got to start to have a plan. You have to you know, start to exercise, eat healthy food, do things that allows for a healthy body. It's the same. So peace, happiness, it's not a hocus-pocus. You don't pray to the Buddha and get happiness, although some traditional Buddhists think that may be the way to go. No, the Buddha set a very clear path to happiness. And that's the Eightfold Path. The path of establishing harmlessness first. Establishing peace and harmony in your life. Cultivating generosity. Cultivating wholesome states. And then, through that, the mind can become more still. And with still, a wisdom arises. So, the short answer to, you know, how to be happy, well, if you're really wise, then you're going to be really, really happy all the time. Wisdom is to well, work our way backward. If you have wisdom, then there's no problem. Wisdom is something that allows the mind to let go, to accept, to learn from new situation. When there's wisdom, at least the Buddhist kind of wisdom anyway, it's the wisdom that learn to accept life for what it is. It's the wisdom that you see that while there is, you know, there is a physical suffering in the mind, the mental suffering doesn't always have to follow. That's where we can separate ourselves. That's where we don't have to add on. You know, people can be mean. People can say silly things to you, nasty things. They can do mean things to you. And that's their bad karma. But sometimes our bad karma is we keep bringing those things up, remembering, making ourselves more angry over those things. So the first instant, that's other people's bad karma, that's you can't control. But the remembering with irritations, the adding on to the additional suffering, not one to, to be suffering. It's that is the reaction of the mind, that's something that we can train to learn to let go. So the Buddhist wisdom is not about being clever. It's not about writing great books. It's not about giving talks. True Buddhist wisdom is something that allows you to let go. Allows you to be peaceful. Allows you to see things with clarity. And that's the beauty of that. When you see things with clarity, there is no problem. It is because we don't see things clearly that we make problems out of things. OA, sickness and death, that's part of life. So the fact that we don't accept that, that we suffer. Being separated from what you want. Being with things that you don't want, that's also part of the human conditions. But we don't accept that we don't want that. You know, and sometimes, you know, we, a lot of times we lose mindfulness. So we have a nice, you know, a building project happening. We want to go painting. And then of course it's raining today. And so you're like, oh, I want to paint today. Well, unfortunately the weather doesn't obey our wishes. It would be nice if it does. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I had all week to rain. 
And of course, when you have three buses heading up the, dark, you know, the dirt track, and finally start pouring, it's like, why, why does it rain like a, bit, you know, a few hours earlier? Why does it rain like you know, after they get here? Why does it have to rain at this time? Of course, that's what, that's what the weather does. It rains when the conditions are there. It doesn't follow our plans. It doesn't follow our desires. And reflecting on it, you see, so much of the world go according to causes and conditions. It doesn't go according to our wants and desires. So the more we want things to be a certain way, the more we're setting ourselves up for disappointment, for irritation, for anger, for sadness. So knowing that, remembering that, we say, okay, yeah. Why don't we, we work with the condition as they really are? Yes, rain is not the end of the world. We can do something else. Clean toilets. Sort out the library or something. So it's always about learning to adapt to changing situation. Learning to adapt to the body that's getting older. That's not so energetic. That's not so healthy. So aging it doesn't have to be a problem. Sickness doesn't have to be a problem. It's the mind's reaction to it. That's where the suffering is. It's not wanting to be sick, not wanting to be old, not wanting things other than they are. So that's the, the basic suffering that we face as humans. If we're not careful, we're not mindful. It's wanting to, things to be other than they are. Sometimes we, you know, um, we don't see clearly. Sometimes we pick up these habits from our parents or people around us. But as a Buddhist you know, practitioner, the Buddha, I know a lot of the meditation masters always emphasize, you know, satipanya, mindfulness and wisdom. When you have those things, then you'll find that suffering fades away. When you see clearly, you see clearly that it's the nature of the body to age. You see clearly it's the nature of human conditions to you know, be together with things you like and then be separated, eventually be separated from everyone that you love. You see clearly that we all you know, being born and die many, many times. You see that clearly, you remember that, you remember the teaching, that naturally there is no attachment with the people that you're with, with your family. You see that we've been together many times. We've been separated many times as well. We come together again. It's just the nature, the rise and fall, the changing weather, the night and day. You can't have you know, happiness without suffering. You can't have being together with your loved one without separation. That's just the nature of life. So the more we see that clearly, the more we accept that deeply, it's not just about thinking, not just about theorizing. It's really understanding it in the mind deeply. And the mind sees King clearly, letting go happens. It doesn't suffer. It is through not seeing clearly that we grasp onto things, we hold on to things, we want to control things, we don't accept things. And then we suffer over that. And there's many ways of looking at life. Like I said, one of it is just you know, seeing things clearly, 
accepting the nature of the body, the nature of the human conditions, that there are times when we have argument from time to time with our loved ones. There are times we have differences. But that doesn't mean that we have to suffer over that. We can learn to accept, we can learn to forgive, we can learn to let go. I always remember, I was telling that um, a lady as well, that um, we see clearly that anger doesn't arise. It's when we ang- get angry, who suffers? You see clearly it's just yourself that suffers. Because we don't see clearly we hold on to anger. We feed it, we're thinking more about negativity, about other things. You know, when one person does something to you, then you remember all the time that he annoys you, all the time that he's saying mean things, all the time he says silly things to you. Then you get more annoyed. And then when you finish thinking of all the things that this one person does to you, you think about the other person the rest of your life, how everything is terrible, and, and then the life is terrible, and it just feeds itself. Because you don't see clearly, oh yeah, I'm not using my thinking clearly. I'm not using my thinking wisely. I'm going down the path that it creates more suffering. The more I think about it in this way, the more angry, irritated, disappointed I get. Why don't I find a way to incline the mind towards more positive things? First accepting that yeah, from time to time, there is people who say and do silly things. Why not focus on that 1%? Why don't I focus on the other times when people are nice, when people are gentle or kind? This is remind people over and over again, what we think about is our world. What you focus on, you make that your world. So if you focus on anything, other things that are wrong, other annoying things in another person, then you make that person into an evil person, horrible person. And you think of all the things that have gone wrong with your world, your life, then you make your life something that's not so nice. But instead of focusing on the negative things, things that's gone wrong in other person, in yourself, or in the world, we try to direct the mind towards more wholesome things, more acceptance, more forgiveness, things that we can be grateful for, things that are going right. Like I said, you know, obviously there are a lot of people who are um, being hurt, being, uh, you know, got sick through the pandemic. But there are also many positive things that came out from this pandemic. You know, it really shook people up. People are starting to look inward more, learning to calm the mind instead of looking for happiness outside through travel. When people can't travel, they have to look, well, if I can't get my happiness outside, how do I get my happiness in other ways? So then we have to learn to adapt to things. More and more people are coming to the monastery because obviously the borders are shut down. So but at least they come to a quiet place. And in the bush, the quiet place, space, will also nourish the mind and learning how to meditate, learning to be still, learning to find happiness in the simple things of life. Not through having things, not through doing things, not through going places, but just happiness in being still. Happiness, just being at ease with things as they are. Being at ease at home, doing the simple things. So that's been a quite positive. And also, it's great for the environment. All that CO2, carbon dioxide, that's not being emitted. My understanding, actually, Terodemo was telling me that um, the, uh, the canals, 
in uh, Venice. It's very, very beautiful now, very clear. No more trash from tourists coming out all over the world. And yeah, they said, you know, the ozone layer is getting really, really recovering very quickly because we're not flying around so much. So with life, there is always positive, there's always advantages and disadvantages. And that is up to us to focus on the advantage. Not that we want to engage in delusional practices, but we know when we focus on positive things of life, it gives us energy, it gives us hope, it energizes us. Then we have the ability, the energy, to adapt, to learn, to figure out solutions. It's when we're feeling sad, depressed, dejected, that the mind gets sink into a deeper, deeper circle of unhappiness. So it is through p- focusing on the positive things of life, focusing things that we can be grateful for, focusing on things that are going right, focusing on our ability to influence life in a positive way. That's where you know, we give energy to the mind. Then we can be a positive influence in our life, in the world around us. And as we practice, you know, it is inclination towards, you know, it's always been the Eightfold Path, which can summarize into like kind of the threefold training of sea love, harmlessness, of, you know, focus, attention, of samadhi, and then of panya, of wisdom. Yes, the mind becomes, you know, more clear. Wisdom arises naturally. And wisdom is not something that you can get from a book. Wisdom is not something you can get from an app. Or even from another person. It's something you have to realize yourself. Something you see clearly. Wisdom arises, suffering disappear. But it's always, so it's always a good reflection when you're you know, not happy, when you're feeling irritated, when you're suffering. Reflect, what is it that I'm not seeing clearly? What is it that I'm attaching to? What is it that I want that the world cannot give me? And wanting the kitchen to always be perfect and clean, that's going to cause suffering. Wanting everything to work perfectly, that's going to give you some suffering. Because things will never be perfect. We live in the human world. We don't live in the Deva Loka. We don't live in the heavenly realm. And you might say, oh, that's because, you know, we don't look at things carefully. That's because what Buddha Dhamma is on a dirt track. It's so difficult to get to. That's why there's so much suffering. Well, people are always getting bogged and things are always broken because we don't have enough people to fix things and cars are always broken. But that's just the nature of the world. Now, if you, even if I've been to many monasteries, very, very well supported, things are always breaking. <laughs> Not in the same things as these are, but things are always, you know, buildings are crumbling, buildings are cracking, um, cars, parts are falling off, body things. You know, as you get older, things are, just don't work as they used to. But it's a great opportunity to learn to adapt, to learn to live simple with the basics. 
to to a simplicity has its great um, advantages. Less things can go wrong. You know, when you have just a a toilet, a hole in the ground, very easy. Don't have to worry about water, piping issues. Don't have to worry about being clogged up. Just a hole in the ground. But now you have these flushing toilets. Oh, the water is not going. Water pressure is not very good at John. And now the pipe is clogged. You always just got to come and fix the pipe. And then next week, something gets else gets plugged. So it's continuous. So that's why the meditation master always tells you, when things are more convenient, a lot of trouble comes along. So things are convenient, but also troublesome. Keep that in mind. As we strive toward convenience, we add complication to our life. So it's always good to go back to the basics. So the next toilet block is going to be just a hole in the ground. <laughs> and I think I, I didn't give this name, but um, the name that the Vietnamese gave for this monastery is a monastery of, um, uh, what do you call that? It's, uh, the, uh, it's called Dutanga, but it's, uh, it's uh, uh, the monastery of... Um, Happiness from, from suffering or something like that. It means that monastery that things are like uh, um, hard, uh, difficult, with a very rough kind of environment. But it's where you can cultivate um, spiritual practice. So yeah, so it's like a, a dutanga kind of thing where you, uh, the monastery of ascetic practices, meaning it's, things are simple, it's uh, not so comfortable, but it's where you grow Spiritually. And that's why sometimes in the forest tradition we do have these ascetic practices of you know, staying up late into the night, eating once a day only, keeping things really simple in the kitchen. Yes, the pantry is full, but why do we limit things to only porridge in the morning? Why don't we have a, you know, bacon and eggs instead of you know, just porridge? Yeah, we can. But that's not the point of the monastery. I remind people, remember, this is a monastery, not a cafe. We're not here to have your organic everything. We're here just to keep it simple. It's about restraint. It's well to know to understand that you don't have to get everything your way, but you can still be happy. You just have the basics. Happiness doesn't come from having everything. Because you've all been in the world, you know that you have these days, you have the option to get everything you wanted. Does that bring happiness? To manage everything you want, to have your little you know, Google HomePod that turns the lights on wherever you step into the room that does everything for you, everything you want, you just talking to the phone and everything appears. The food gets delivered to the door just the way you like it. If you don't like it, you return it. Does that increase your happiness? Has it? Has it increased your happiness? Has it ended all your suffering? When you get your new phone, when you get these new gadgets, the promise is to do everything for you, just the way you like. Is that ending your suffering? Probably not. <laughs> but I'm sure something about around the corner will promise that. No, no, you, you get this. The iPhone won't end your suffering. But I'm sure the next thing that Apple comes out with will certainly end your suffering, <laughs> they tell you. And obviously, as you know, people, mature people, practitioner. We understand that, you know, sense happiness, the happiness of having things, the happiness of having a comfortable body, 
with some happiness. I always say there's some, some sort of happiness. But there's always complications. There's always things that come along with that. So as petitioner, we're trying to strip things back. It's just good enough. You don't have to have the latest phone to be happy. You don't have to have the, you know, the best car. It just gets you from A to B. That should be enough. You don't have to have the latest model all the time. But it's good enough. Your body don't have to be in the peak physical state. It's good enough. It allows you to you know, do things. There are some aches and pains. It's okay. It's manageable. It allows you to meditate, to cultivate good karma, to be helpful to others, to practice generosity, helping people around you. That's good enough. Your meditation, it's not perfect. You're not blissing out every time you sit down. You see this beautiful golden light that I, Paul talked about last week. That everybody, every time this monk sits down, he has this beautiful light appearing already. You haven't not quite there yet, but it's good enough. You're sitting, beautiful sala, quiet, beautiful forest, amazing people to share this space with, share this life with. What else can you ask for? So it's through this idea, through this perspective of good enough, of gratitude and contentment, the mind becomes more calm, becomes more clear. Distractions fade away, becomes more calmed. Suffering starts to ease a little bit. Because we're not wanting so much. We're not craving so much. So we don't crave, there's no problem. You don't want things other than they are. There's no problem. So the next time there's suffering, what is it that you want that's not the way? You don't want other than they are, and there's no suffering. But you want things other than they are. You want, when it's raining, you want sunshine, and that's the problem. When it's hot, you want it to be cool, and that's your problem. But if you don't want things to be other than they are, no suffering. And it's not through wishing that we become more wise. It is through establishing causes, establishing the training. It's through training the mind through the different stages. And it's through harmlessness, restraint, simplicity. It's through, obviously, putting the hours of learning the trade of meditation, learning how your mind works. It's through the hours of sitting, putting up with your boredom, your frustrations, your restlessness, seeing clearly these things, the five hindrances, that we learn how the mind works, we learn to adapt, allowing the mind to be more peaceful. And it's through the stillness that we see clearly. There's no other way. The only way to wisdom is through stillness. Like I said, you don't get through thinking. We have lots of good thinkers in the world. They all be enlightened, but that's all you need. It. But the professors in universities aren't enlightened, I guarantee you. They write great books. But they still suffer like everybody else. And that's the thing that woke me up to Buddhism. It's like, wow, I go to this good university, the great professors with all these you know, you know, great books that they write. But when they go through divorce, when the kids you know, run away from home, they suffer like everybody else. Why can't they, great, you know, why don't they great thinking 
get them out of this. And you know, it made me realize, yeah, okay, something else. Wisdom is not, some, it's not about thinking, it's something else beyond that. And it's only through the practice of meditation that you see clearly. It's like going to the gym. You just can't bench press 90 kilo on your first day. That's not how it happens. But through steadiness, through dedication, through practice, constant practice, constant pursuing, perseverance, you'll get there. You will, will bench press 90 kilo. No matter where you start. Some people are stronger, so they can do it quicker. Other people, it takes longer to train. It's the same with the practice of the Dhamma. Some people are just born naturally peaceful and naturally generous and kind and clear-minded. Other people have a few other issues to work on. But that's fine. But we all have the potential to ease, to see things clearly, to establish the conditions where wisdom arises, where suffering ceases. And as, as long as we follow the threefold path laid down by the Buddha, who is very clear what the things we should do. So, as we look for the year of the ox, I guess the ox is an animal that is steady, that will hard work. So if you are steady, you work hard every day, you plow away with your mind, with meditation, with your being generous, being kind, of letting go of things, then eventually you reach the beautiful field, the beautiful farm, the beautiful land of Nirvana. Right? So that's what I offer you, that's what I wish for each and every one of you. The year of the ops. <laughs>